Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, August 4th. What a fantastic feeling it was to wake up Monday morning knowing there was an entire day of WTA action ahead of me. And the action in Palermo lived up to my expectations and more. You know, not only was it just fantastic to see these pro players back on court competing once again, uh, but I thought the level of tennis was particularly high as well. Players like Donna Vekic, Diana Yastremska, others as well, you know, Ekaterina Alexandrova, uh, you know, I could le- read through the entire list of winners, but the point is, it was a really high level of play, and, you know, that's so interesting to see, because, of course, for so many of these players to not get to compete and the WTA Tour in five months, you can't replicate the adrenaline rush you're going to feel and the nerves of trying to close out a match, but you can certainly work in, you know, a hard, significant training block uh, during this time period, and what's so interesting is these professional players so accustomed to playing, you know, 11 months of pro events nonstop, and then maybe you build in a little six-week training block at the end of November, beginning of December. Maybe even you give yourself some time off. You make those six weeks into four weeks, but for these players, certainly the first six to eight weeks was a little bit tougher, but those with an abundance of resources, and this is something I'll talk about in the podcast later on as we get to Technique Tuesday with Carousel, Uh, but these players maybe had the opportunity to build in a training block that otherwise would have never existed, and of course, you know, would we have rather have seen them back on tour? Would they have rather have been competing on tour during a you know standard 2020 season? Of course, we all feel that way. But if you're trying to find the silver lining, some reason to feel any aspect of joy uh, in you know as we're all dealing with the tough times, I really do think we're going to see a high level of tennis because these players are well rested, they're healthy. They've been able to work on their games, and that should lead to some really thrilling results. And so, again, so excited to get to watch all of the action unfold in Palermo. Uh, that will not be the focus of today's mini break. I'm going to make that the sole focus of tomorrow's show. Uh, today, we get to do go back to doing something we love to do here at the Mini Break Podcast, and that's chat with our friends over at My Tennis HQ and get back to doing our Technique Tuesdays where we focus on those little details, get, you know, the perspectives of Carousel, Austin Rapp, both immensely accomplished, both uh, college tennis players as well as pro players on the tour, uh, to talk about the ways all of us, whether you are a junior player, a rising college player, uh, maybe even a pro who listens to this, uh, or, you know, an adult who's just playing rec league tennis, playing casually, you know, with your friends who want to find the little ways to improve your game, because, you know, all, all of us are looking forward to improving our game. Certainly for me, I will say this, just a little personal detail for all of you listeners. I'm recording this intro Tuesday morning, uh, and I have already had the wonderful opportunity as my doubles partner, partner in crime, co-host and co-creator of the Great Shot Podcast, Max Rothman, is in town in Indy. He, uh, myself, Dalton, and Parker Thieneman got our two hours in on court. Me and Maxie gave them the business in doubles. There were some fun singles being played, some dingles as well. It was just great to get back on court, but you know, certainly I feel like now that I'm back out there, I still, I'd say I'm about a half step, maybe 0.75 steps slower than I would like to be in terms of top speed. My reactions, again, could get a little bit better, uh, but the game has held up better than I expected as well, and so, you know, for me, I'm still looking to improve my game. I know 
know so many of you listeners who are active players are still looking to do that as well. And so we're so excited to get back to another Technique Tuesday today with our friends at My Tennis HQ. As I mentioned, Carousel joins the show uh, to talk about how people can improve, how they can win without improving their technique, the little things you do on the court. You know, you don't always need to be tweaking how you hit your forehand, how you hit your backhand, but the ways you're competing, the way you're the ways you're moving, the way you're maximizing your strengths. Uh, we talk about how players can do those things and more, of course, whenever we have Carew, who also serves as the hitting partner for Naomi Osaka. Oh, we got to talk a little bit of current events as well. So I talk about his feelings. I know he is hoping and planning to head with Team Naomi for the three weeks in New York and what that process is going to look like, how he thinks that might impact the level of play we see. Uh, it's a fasc- fascinating conversation, of course. Before we get to that, I just want to note a, qu- a couple of things that are happening in the tennis world. And, you know, the reason I also want to note the reason we are able to do these podcasts day in, day out here on the Mini Break Podcast is because of the support we get from our friends over at Midwest Sports. And you know the deal by now, so I don't have to read through it. Midwest Sports has been in the business for 30 plus years, and they never have, you know, ever, they're leaving every customer satisfied. I, they guarantee it. Uh, the reason they're doing that is because they serve the best products available in throughout the tennis world, whether it be shoes, rackets, strings, uh, you know, clothing, etc., etc. You name it, they've got it and more. They've got all the best brands. You know, from Wilson, Head, Babolat, Yonix, Nike, New Balance, K-Swiss, Fila. You can go through, uh, you know, on and on throughout the list. And, you know, they are there to provide what you need. Also, if you're not sure exactly what you need, you can turn to their staff who are intimately familiar with all of their equipment and can help you find that perfect racket, perfect shoe, or perfect clothing that is sure to put you ahead of the competition. Best of all, they've got the best prices as well. And they're consistently getting their products to the market first. So again, this is the place to turn Midwest Sports for all of your equipment needs. While you're there, you might as well use our promo code CR15 because you're going to save 15% on your order. You're going to get free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. And best of all, you're going to get a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Go to MidwestSports.com. Again, use that promo code CR15. We've got some really fun stuff planned for them coming up in the month of August that I can't announce just yet, uh, but let's just say there might be some gear heading your way uh, if you put yourself in a position to win it. I think I can tease it with that. I'm not going to say any more right now, but again, MidwestSports.com. The promo code is CR15. Of course, that'll make you look good, but you need to feel good too to play good. And that's where our friends at Aerobar come in. Aerobar putting a priority on fitness and nutrition in tennis by offering the only tennis-specific energy bar in the business. More uh, potassium than a banana. Delicious chocolate chip and cinnamon honey oat flavors. Uh, And again, it's just good stuff. It's going to give you that energy boost you need to perform your best on the court. And, you know, Maybe you're the type of person who likes to eat an energy bar in the morning. You can't handle a bowl of cereal or a yogurt or eggs or whatever because you'll just feel a little bit drowsy. And by the way, people, I'm obviously offering my own personal experiences. So you're the type of guy who just likes a little bar in the morning. I'll tell you what, even when I'm not playing tennis like I did this morning, I turn to Aerobar because it gives me the boost I need to start my day the right way. You can as well by going to Aerobar.com. While you're there, use the promo code CRACKED15. You'll get 15 percent off your order. We are so grateful for our friends at Aerobar. And of course, listen to our get to getting to the point episodes, which focus on the importance of nutrition and health in the modern tennis game with our friends over at Aerobar. Another fantastic episode planned for this Thursday. But again, Aerobar.com, the promo code is cracked 15. Okay couple of quick things, and then I promise we are going to get to my conversation with Carousel. As I mentioned, uh, it feels worth saying one more time, uh, you know, again, we aren't going to focus on the play that happened in Palermo on Monday. We're going to save Monday and Tuesday's results for tomorrow's mini break podcast. Uh, But there are a couple notable things that, again, have happened uh, vis-a-vis the tennis world as of late. Uh, Of course, for those of you who have been following along, looking for updates, this will not be news to you. 
Madrid officially making the announcement that they have canceled the event. They're just not comfortable hosting it given the current conditions, given that so many players would be coming directly from the U.S. Open to uh, Madrid, and they perhaps would not be able to quarantine for the two weeks as requested uh, vis-a-vis the EU's travel restrictions. Uh, So that event has been canceled, and it opens up a vacancy in the tour schedule. Uh, But it also, you know, you wonder about the ripple effects of this. There were players who are considering, do I just sit out the hardcourt season and just, you know, play the clay events only? Well, if there are fewer and fewer clay events, the feasibility of sitting those out, giving yourself even fewer opportunities to play high-level events, uh, it just becomes a a less feasible scenario for so many of these top pros. And so it's notable that you see players like Simona Halep and Rafa Nadal who have been outspoken in their hesitancy uh, to play the in the three weeks in New York, the fact that they seem to be at least a bit more uh, open now to coming to New York, playing in the three-week bubble, just based out of necessity. That's a, it's a very interesting development, and again, it really does feel like I said you know when we were in Miami talking to the players on the grounds that it felt 50-50 for the U.S. Open. It now feels like the U.S. Open is going to happen, whether, you know, God willing, that will be like the World Team Tennis where they will be able to administer 800-plus tests or the equivalent of that for this given the scale of their event and they'll you know result in no positive tests for anyone participating in the event uh, but certainly uh, it, it, it's something to continue to monitor and you look in Palermo uh, there was someone who had tested positive and I, I mentioned this yesterday but Simona Hell, Belinda Bencic both pulling out of the event Richard Gasquet commented to La Quip uh, that it's an absolute scandal that players are in the same hotel as tourists in Palermo I don't know how the WTA can accept it if you stage a tournament it's because the hotel is 100% reserved for players and staff if you can't you cancel it and it does feel worth mentioning that the event in Lexington the top seed at the top seed tennis club that hopefully our crack racket teams will be at next week uh, they also uh, are you know they have a hotel completely reserved, completely bubbled out, and we talked to tournament director John Sanders about that fact a little bit ago or when we had him on the pot a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but it is worth noting again; these are all things that will be factors as to whether the U.S. Open, this three-week bubble plus Western and Southern, can happen if the USTA is able to secure facilities like that, so where all of these players feel comfortable. Uh, it also again it starts to show that unless you can create a bubble with an event like Madrid canceling with all of the events in China canceled for both the ATP and WTA. If you're not able to create a bubble, it, athletes just aren't going to feel comfortable. And it does feel like as World Team Tennis, as the NBA have continued to show, sports can exist within a bubble, but it's very, un, you know, as we see with the MLB and, you know, with other sports that have attempted to come back without creating those sorts of bubbles, uh, it's very non-feasible, particularly in North America right now to do that. Uh, so it's very interesting. And of course, people like Mike Cation, Noah Rubin, others here who have come on this podcast have talked about making the tour regional for the rest of 2020. Again, these are all ideas floating around, but certainly now a week has opened up on the calendar with the Madrid event officially being canceled. Western and Southern, though, still planning to rock and roll, and we learned the wild cards that were named for the men's field. Uh, not going to surprise anyone to see Tommy Paul and Tennis Sandgren, two of the top-ranked American men, getting wild cards into the event. They also throw one to Francis Tiafo, And last but not least, I think an exceptional decision by the Western and Southern team, Wild card goes to Andy Murray as he looks to continue his uh, return from injury uh, back, his return, his ascendance back into the top 100 on the ATP singles ranking. So again, there were just a couple of notable things I wanted to discuss. We are, of course, going to continue to discuss Palermo in further depth uh, as as the week carries on, as we get further results. And if you want to hear more about those results, listen to our Great Shot Podcast Ace of the Day segment where we get in on all the action happening throughout the tennis world. Uh, One last thing, it does feel notable. The proposed Clay's Court schedule right now without Madrid. For the WTA, it's Palermo, Prague, Istanbul, Rome, slash Strasbourg, and the French Open. For the ATP, it's Kitzbühel, Rome, French Open, that's it. So that's where we stand right now in terms of professional tennis's return. And I think getting any pro tennis back is obviously better than none. Uh, but certainly we are not going to be getting a full season at any point. And I think that's a realization 
realization many of us came to over the past five months that, you know, if we can even get a six-week season in, if we can even see the French Open and just the U.S. Open at this point, we probably have to take that as a win as tennis fans. Now, of course, you continue to think about the impact of all of those players ranked outside the top 100, all of those players who make their living at the challengers or, you know, the ITF circuit who aren't going to have opportunities to make money, and that's becoming even more clear. And so, you know, the idea of a player relief package for those players, yeah, we got the initial round of money out, but let's not forget about the challenge all of them are facing. And so, again, these are all things to consider as we see professional tennis resume. It's not a conversation we should stop having because, if anything, it's more prevalent, you know, more relevant even now than ever before. So those are my thoughts. Just wanted to throw them at you. But we have another fantastic conversation, another fantastic episode of Technique Tuesday coming up with our friend Carousel from My Tennis HQ. So, without further ado, let's get to that conversation with My Tennis HQ's Carousel. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Joining us on the podcast today is a returning champion here on our Cracked Rackets podcast, a former standout for the UCLA men's tennis team, hitting partner for Naomi Osaka, and of course, co-founder of our friends at My Tennis HQ, Carousel. Carew, welcome back to the show. It's been far too long. How are you holding up? I'm doing good, man. Just back at training, back at, you know, hopefully... Uh, you know, going to New York in a couple couple weeks. So excited about that. Excited that tennis is back. And um, I don't know. I mean, back. Uh, I mean, four tournaments in a season is not necessarily back. But, you know, hopefully we will have the slams and all that. And we can, you know, at least have some tennis this year. Yeah, no, we will obviously get to the semantics. Is tennis back? I agree. If it's two months, I mean, let's cherish any two months. Even if it's only two weeks, we're going to cherish those two weeks that we get. But, you know, certainly it does start to feel like tennis is going to attempt to make its return. And, you know, after the success of World Team Tennis, 800 tests administered, uh, zero positive COVID-19 results, it does feel encouraging. It does feel like if you can create a bubble, that it is possible possible to conduct a sporting event to the scale of world team tennis maybe even the scale of the u.s open safely now whether the u.s open is and the U.S. are going to be able to create that bubble environment that's a story certainly for another time uh but because we have you back let's start off with a tangent before we get into our technique tuesday uh segment you have started training again you're getting ready to rock and roll and hopefully you're going to plan to head to new york Yes, I mean that's the plan. I think. Uh, I mean, I don't really know the details because I'm in the, you know, bottom of the food chain uh, when it <laughs> comes to being on a team. But uh, I know we're supposed to be going. I think I'm, uh, sixteen, seventeen, and uh, yeah, just I mean, there's the, all the protocols of you know, as soon as you arrive, you get tested and uh, you isolate until you get the results and all that stuff. I mean, it's it's a go, it's a go, and and we're just, you know training and we're um, you know it's kind of like in the finally feels like you're training for something so uh, kind of home stretch from training and so should be should be fun it's exciting I mean e- even if it's not necessarily what we used to it could be like a once in a lifetime you know event that you're always going to remember so it could be could be an interesting to be a part of it. Yeah, and again, it's a grain of salt because you're not Naomi Osaka. I'm not going to ask you to try and enter her mind, but just curious about your perspective. Do you think it's going to feel different? Do you think the fact that there aren't fans and there's not the usual usual spectacle that goes along with a Grand Slam is going to influence the level of play we see? Because, you know, I fired off a tweet today, and I think certainly this argument would apply to someone Naomi, like Naomi Osaka. For so many of these players— and 
and particularly the ones with resources, these past five months, certainly maybe the first month, month and a half, it was impossible to do anything. But these players have had a three and a half month stretch now where given who they are, it's very likely they were able to find some sort of court, do some sort of training. And it's a three and a half month time stretch that players just aren't accustomed to having that sort of training block. So if anything, I think the level of tennis we might see, there might be some shaky moments, a little bit of match toughness, you know, rust. But I think the level of play we can expect to see might even be better than usual simply because of how fresh these players are and how rare it is to see tennis players, again, this well rested yeah i mean i don't i don't i'm not really concerned about level of play yeah one thing might be you know closing out matches and and you know dealing with nerves and things like that but um you know at the same time you have less fans so like our nerves um a smaller part of it this time not because like you know fans put like get make you more nervous i guess but like, i mean it's different playing you know, closing out a match when there's 20,000 people expecting you to close out, close out a match, I guess. Uh, but for most of the draw, anyways, no one is watching. No one is really watching. So <laughs> um, besides, you know, besides the, the main course, the top courts, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to be that huge of a difference for a lot of the players, especially guys who are guys and girls who, you know, are just breaking top 100 and stuff. So, um, I, I doubt there's going to be um, a drop in level, but it, I just think there might be a drop in excitement. You know, it may be excitement from the players or the reactions we get. Like, what? how are they going to, you know what I mean? Like, how, I mean, obviously, players feed from the, the crowd, good or bad, and all that stuff. So I don't know, uh, you know, where, where they will find that, sometimes that extra gear that sometimes the, the crowd gives them so that would be interesting to see i don't think again i think everyone's gonna be fresh and ready to go and kind of pumped to play but uh at the same time is it gonna be just like this weird thing where um you know everyone's so worried about corona or whatever it is like it's which a lot of unknown but it, it, at the same time kind of makes it exciting to watch yeah, and I know the U.S. Open has thought about pumping in crowd noise and the idea of them playing on the speakers, the the clap right on break point. The yeah, I'd... that would be yeah, that would be pretty funny. But you're absolutely right; these players feed off of the crowds, and you know, I, I suppose from your perspective, if you do end up making that trip to New York, uh, expect a lot of crowd time. You know, be well groomed, get a haircut if possible, because yeah, it's going to be your box, you know, the the Osaka player box, and whoever her opponent is, and that's it. That's the only people in the crowd. And from a fan perspective, hopefully, we're able to pick up the communications between a player and their box, hear what a player is telling to their team throughout the course of the match. Certainly, the perspective for smack talk seems like it's going to be more possible now than maybe uh, in usual times, and that might oh, yeah. add an add, you know an additional element to these matches. And certainly, the level again, it's it's going to be a different product. And I guess World Team Tennis isn't a great direct comparison uh, because there were fans in the crowd, although limited fans, but still there was a fan presence. But I'll say this: when we were at J.C. Aragoni's exhibition event in Miami, the level of play was as high as you would expect. Uh, certainly, the players uh, were you know all in on the matches that they were playing, except for maybe Stevie J. And I say that lovingly to you, Stevie. Um, but yeah, it, it, I, I agree with you. I think the level of play we're going to see is going to be really great. I do think any offset of, you know, the the dip in excitement in energy level because there are no crowd, uh, there are no fans, I think that will be offset by how excited these players clearly are to get back on the court. I mean, in the first day of Palermo action, we saw a really high level of play. We saw that at World Team Tennis as well. Uh, and so I'm really hoping that, again, the the quality of the play that we see will be not only up to snuff, but even exceed our expectations. And I'm cautiously optimistic right now that that will be the case. But certainly, you know, for you going to New York, getting to travel, getting to start training again, uh, how has that just been for you to get to be back out on court, to get to start working towards goals again? That has to feel nice. Yeah, it feels nice. I mean, again, I think we, we trained a lot in the last like couple months, but still like uncertain you're like oh is the open gonna happen is it not every day there was like a different a different 
different views and you know different perspective and opinions and whatnot so uh now it seems like it's finally a goal a, a go so it's just you know let's just let's just get it on with and and see what happens it seems like i mean if, if you follow you know what the nba has been doing and if they've been doing that the bubble thing properly and they they've come up with creative ways to to you know to actually show that the crowd is not that important like the you now you're able to hear other things and um you know obviously players are smack talking a lot on in nba and all this stuff i think he kind of it's giving everyone like a different perspective in, in basketball i think tennis could just do something like it you know obviously it's just going to be you the team uh, whoever you're playing against and you know <clears throat> maybe it's a way of like refreshing maybe adding different camera angles or whatever it is that uh, would make it like a little bit more exciting than just putting that top camera and and you know you see half of a stadium open or uh, or you see the entire stadium like just completely empty so um, I think uh, you know they just should be thinking that way like how can we innovate at the same time and uh, keeping everything safe. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Certainly, tennis has a chance to be creative here. Again, if the success of the World Team Tennis season is any indication, there is a lot of room to be different, to try new things, and uh, I think tennis fans will be very receptive to them. So, yeah, even if it's fake crowd noise or just focusing in on the communications between players and teams or different camera angles, whatever you want to do with the opportunities available, certainly now is the time to try new things when fans are paying attention because we're all still stuck at home of course um but yeah i I agree i think we are all looking forward to the return of competition it was so great to get to see world team tennis and then palermo today and you know again i i think more than anything just to have that normalcy of tennis being back uh, even though you know for us here in the united states in particular life is still far from returning to normal uh it's great it's just that sense of normalcy is something we all value so much and you know something i always value is these technique tuesdays getting that back on the schedule rocking and rolling Uh, obviously so much great content from you guys at my tennis hq over the past couple of weeks Uh, a lot of racket review content and i have to say i've enjoyed it all because i am trying to get back into tennis my get back into it makes it sound like uh, that's not fair i am starting to play more again i've caught the itch and you know this morning i gave our cracked racket ceo dalton thieneman the business on the court uh, (laughs) which is always delightful a little rivalry there as you can when you give austin rap the business you know the feeling um but you know for you guys again these racket reviews why is that something you've leaned towards and again i guess uh have you have you enjoyed getting to do the experience uh i think one um obviously the, the audience the audience has been enjoying it i think um you know there are a lot of racket reviews out there but i think they're 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 liking the fact that you know we're all you know, former pros and former uh, D1 players, and you know, we're giving different perspectives on, on you know, sometimes it's you know, you want to you you want to check out like, oh, how how's this racket compared to this racket, whatever it is, um, but then you see who who is playing with the racket, those rackets is like how well how would they know? Like it doesn't seem like they're they're great tennis players. Not not to say they don't know what they're doing, but. Um, I think that was just like a different something that was kind of missing um, that I think we're kind of hitting. Uh, we're feeling a niche there. Uh, and two, I just I personally always enjoyed it. I I always like I was a little bit of like a ten, like a racket geek. Not in in terms of like oh what are they made of all that kind of crap, but um, just just how they feel. Like uh, my reviews are always going to be on feel. Like what do I feel as I'm hitting with this racket? And because, again, I cannot recommend rackets. Oh, this racket is great for everyone. It's not. No racket is ever going to be great for, for everyone. Like, I I play with a racket that is much different from probably anything that isn't on the market, but it just works for me. Um, you know, the way that it's balanced, the way that, you know, anything. So, you know, for example, in the last, in the last article, uh, in the last article, in the last video, that I compared the V-Core and the Extreme just for topspin. I just wanted to see it for topspin. You know, a lot of comments uh, comments said, oh, the V-Core obviously looked like you're hitting the ball deeper and all that stuff. I was like, yeah, I, I said it in the video. The 
the V core for my game is the better record. Uh, if I was just trying to add some more top spin to my game, but in terms of like which one gives me more access to to top spin, um, it's the extreme. So you know, just seeing those nuances, um, it's really fun because like I, for me, I was like on the court and I was like, like look, it, my ball is spinning more, but it's landing shorter. Doesn't mean I'm hitting a better ball. So, you know, there's a ton of new rackets coming out every every year. I mean, it's, it's the business like it's like the same as golf or whatever, the golf clubs and stuff. Um, so for, for us to, you know, being able to get our hands in those rackets, especially, you know, Head has given us the demos, Yonix has given us demos, and, um, you know, they've been super helpful with that. And so for us, it's just kind of like a pleasure. You go out and play. Like, we don't really, like, we're not really thinking – too much about it we're just gonna go out and play and see how the rackets feel so it's like kind of fun you get a sweat you you know you provide some good information and people seem like they're enjoying so we're leaning towards that um we're definitely going to go back into more um, um you know technical stuff as well but uh, while we do have the demos we you know we just have to crank it out and you know get on the court and see which one feels better so uh, it's been it's been fun it's been a, a good time doing it no, I mean, to add to that, um, I, didn't, I should disclose to everyone, they are a sponsor of us here at Cracked Rackets, but I finally got the chance to hit with the Diadem Nova Racket, and oh, yeah. it, it was delightful. I was like, oh, oh yeah. my God, I can put the ball wherever I want. I was like, I, I mean, not you know, again, I'm not Roger Federer out here, but put, imagine at my level, um, I would say, uh oh, my level right now. I mean, I would still whoop any four or five in my opinion. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. just like at that point, you're just, you're pretty solid, but you're, there's something missing. Five O. if you're a good five O, you're probably beating me right now. But if you give yeah. me two weeks of consistent hitting, I am back on you. Um, anyways, that is to say it was very nice to get to use the diadem, uh, Nova and get to just try yeah, I mean, a I different play, I had a, I had the, what's it called? The other one? Not the, Nova. Uh, the elite, the elite XT. Yeah, or the elevate isn't it elevate or elevate? Yeah, the elevate. Yeah, so I had I had I took that one to Australia. I really liked it too. I you know they they gave me a few rackets to try it out. I really liked it. I actually had the diadem in Australia. They're they're good sticks. I actually saw AJ recently, and I um I'm gonna get like a couple couple of sticks to review as well. Um, mm -hmm. not that I don't know how they feel, but uh, no, just for to do sure. A just... just to do a proper video because um they are good rackets. I mean, again, like I just with time after I, I started playing a couple of tournaments after Australia and all that. And, um, there, there's just something like that. My, my speed, cause I have a custom version of the speed and, um, I just, I can't get away from it. It just kind of suits my game perfectly. So if I'm playing competing hard, I kind of need to stay with my, uh, with my speed, but that's not to say that uh, I actually really like the, the it's kind of like pretty, you know, no BS racket. It's like good, solid uh, racket. It's also a good frame to customize if you needed to add some more weight here or whatever. It's like it's a, it's a solid base frame for that. So it's actually really cool. It's a good racket. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, to your point again, it's about what racket works best for you. And I, you exactly. know, the wand, the wand chooses the wizard. The racket chooses the player. Um, it, exactly. it's it, it's kind of true. And it's funny today. I, you know, Max Rothman, my GSP co-founders in Indianapolis this week, and so we were hitting as well. And he uses the Babolat American flag. I don't know what racket that is, but I think yeah, I think it's the arrow something, whatever. And yeah. he uh, not only does he string it at 53, which is just way too low for me, but that thing is a trampoline. And I was like, nope. I was like, I'm good. He was like, can I swing with Diadem for a little bit? I was like, yeah, sure, I'll use your racket. Uh, but he was, you know, for him, he was like, I can't get enough pop on this Diadem. And I was like, I can't control this Babolat. Uh, so it's yeah. perfect for both of us. Let's switch back. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it really does come down to finding your own racket. And I think it's really difficult for people, especially if you're not playing a lot if you don't have the resources available to you to where you can just call wilson or babylon or yonix or whatever racket brand may suit you and say hey can i try out all these different sticks because they'll laugh at your face and they'll say yeah for a thousand dollars you can have the 10 yeah. different kinds um and you, you know for some people that's just not feasible and so i agree i think it's really good content i appreciate you guys doing it also really appreciate the article that you guys have released i think either today or yesterday uh what do double 
doubles tennis players whisper. And it's a fascinating topic, one that has come up tangentially on this Cracked Rackets podcast, uh, on our Cracked Rackets podcast before. I mentioned Max Rothman. He and I, you know, three years that we played club tennis doubles together and that's part of the reason we're such close friends is because we just connected you need to have a certain chemistry if you want to have success on the court because you are spending so much time with that person you're running decisions by one another making real-time choices and you have to have trust in one another and so certainly you know what do doubles tennis players whisper to one another you know I've been fortunate to have some really outstanding partners and I've never once had a part you know I always you know I'm always a high five in between points or doing something going back and just saying something to one another because to me that's half of the doubles experience and I guess my question to you Karu and I know you didn't write this article but in your experiences what are the things you're whispering to your doubles partners um depends <laughs> obviously the yeah, basics, keep it PG. The, 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 the basic stuff uh, would be obviously um you know serving if you obviously if you're serving like where you're going to serve or at least discuss where you're going to serve it's like hey i'm, I'm going to serve there and the, you know your the guys at the, your partner at the net can be can say actually serve here because he's maybe sitting on your serve so everything that like you're picking up during the match you know serve direction if the guy is going to stay or going to poach or going to fake uh if we want to do i like those are like the quick things uh, and then we, you move into like, oh, maybe he's like sitting on the forehand a little bit more. Maybe try to like take some pace of the serve, try to like cut it out wide a little bit more. Or just like things like that where like, um, you know, you just kind of have to play that play the game in the sense of, of you know, just paying attention to necessarily. Sometimes you, you, you're feeling more comfortable doing a, doing a certain thing like, oh, I want to serve wide. But that might not be the most effective serve at that moment. So maybe your partner is going to have to like say, no, go here. So that's, that's the basics of it. I mean, it's not, it's not necessarily, um, you know, rocket science, like tennis doubles especially go so quickly that we, you know, you're just trying to um, stay as aggressive as possible on the, on the serve and on the returns too. It's also like making sure, um, you know, if your partner wants to stay back or, if, or, you know, go forward or if he's going to poach off the return, uh, all sorts of things. If I'm going to, you know, I say, look, I'm just going to go down the line no matter what on the returns, I'll be ready for it. So the, the, all those kind of things just so both of you are on the same, same page. That's that's the main thing. Like, I think a lot of people play ten, play doubles, like trying to be heroes. Like, oh, I was the better player on on, on the court today, like compared to my 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 partner. I'm like, sure. like, that's not the point. The point is to set up your partner. Uh, two easy shots if it's with your serve like you know I always like playing with you know guys like Marty or uh, even Neaton Bobman guys that are like tall and, and lengthy um, that have big serves like for me it's always a good combo because I have good returns and they have good serves uh, they covered the net a little bit more so you know just having those guys out there um, you know covering for me sometimes if I'm not serving well but like at the same time um, you know having a good time, you know, me and me and Marty always had like such a good time playing doubles, for example, that half the time we were just like <laughs> talking like nonsense <laughs> um, in between points, just because like, Oh, that what happened in the last point was funny. Or like, I don't know. Sometimes the guys are like not very good, but they're way too intense. And, you know, it's just kind of funny because they're like losing, but they're like way too intense. And you're just kind of like, what is going on? Um, so it just depends. Like sometimes you're just being an asshole. Like I'm, at the end of the day, it, like it's sometimes you just revert to that. But it's kind of fun. It's just like a, I always, I never play doubles to become. A, I don't think a doubles player. To be honest, I, it was never my goal to be a doubles player full out. Um, so for me, playing doubles was like a way to make some extra money and and also like just have a good time. And also, you know, you can sharpen up um, your serve. You can sharpen up your return. All that kind of stuff. Um, so for me, it, it's always just kind of a good time. So if you're if you're out there, you know, just have a good time that way. But the whispers and stuff, it's typically just strategy. 
Yeah, no, I mean, what what's key from what you just said um, is that communication is half of doubles. You have to be yeah. constantly, you know, yeah, whether it's even midpoint where if it's a lob and you're going to say, yeah. hey, I'm hitting one up or you're saying mine or yours or all of these yeah. different things, communication is everything. And, you know, yeah, it's also a channel for you because tennis is not a sport where you're outwardly antagonistic towards your opponents. And so there are times when you're going to say some things that you might not want repeated to your partner alone or, you know, one of you is going to fluff an easy volley and you're just going to say, man, fuck me. And you're just going to say that to one another, right? And it's just, hey, let's get that out of our chest. Or, you know, yeah. you're, you're not playing well. You want to say to your partner, man, I'm really playing like shit. And I guess really the theme from this is you're going to swear a lot to your partner, uh, oh, yeah. but they're going to be your output. It's essentially a therapist as well as, again, a partner in what you're doing. At least those are, in my opinion, the most successful ones. I, I mean – I've had some people say the most ridiculous things. Like I, my junior year of high school, I played with uh, a kid who is still one of my near and dear friends, a guy by the name of Abe Huku, and we used to always do this thing. I mean, it was so stupid. Our so our head tennis coach. Sorry for this story. I you're, I think you're going to enjoy this one. Our head tennis coach was he'd always say, "I'm from a, a military background." And, like, that was just part of his shtick. He also had this bald head, and one time this huge fly just landed on his head, and it was there the entire time he was talking to us. And then it flew away, and, like, five seconds later, he just slapped the top of his head. And it was just, like, (laughs) mid-speech, too. And you're just like, dude, what are you doing? Um, But anyways, he was going through our team one day. We were having, like, a team review, and he's going across, and he gets to – he's like, Alex and Abe, one doubles. And he's, like, talking about our strengths. And for every other team, he was like, good sir good movement and for us he just goes Abe and Alex great chemistry uh, because after every point we would grab each other's hand like it's a handshake and then slap one another on the because that's just what you do right like whatever it's the little things that give you the edge uh, and yep. yes I'm very weird this is why I host multiple podcasts talking about tennis every day <laughs> um, but you know the, the point is um, yeah you know communication is everything and being able to trust your partner and know you can turn to them in a moment you know when you've missed three four hands in a row or you've double faulted twice or you didn't put away that overhead you lost the deuce point on your serve um, it, it, it's extraordinarily helpful and so I thought that was a really fun article as well but that gets us to our technique tuesday segment of the day the topic we want to focus on of course 25 minutes in hey great shot to the both of us uh but it was a video you did on youtube discussing how to win more tennis matches without improving your technique and i think this is something particularly once you eclipse the age of 18 with which with you know after that point with all due respect or maybe this is just my perspective because i grew up playing the sport if you pick up the sport you know later on in life you do want to continue to improve your technique but to a certain point once you've played you know three four five years of the sport your technique is going to be what it is and it's making yeah. the little improvements within the game uh, that allow you to take your game to the next level um i guess my question to you to start things off and it's a very broad one but you don't have to improve your technique to win tennis matches right there are so many little ways to improve your game yeah, I mean, it's not a. I I just think the reason I made the video is because I I had this experience. It's not just with other people, myself, that I often, you know, thought too much about like you know the we we always trying to we're always natural at one thing. Um, I feel like it, most players are always natural at one or two things, and then there's the all the other stuff that is never going to come as natural to you, but you are you just are hoping to get to that point that is going to be that natural, but it, 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 it won't like it will improve, but it will, you always gonna, you're always going to have to um, kind of like, you know, pay five times more attention to that shot. You know what I mean? It's like, well, it's, it's my game. Like, I don't think about my back end at all. Uh, and I think about a lot of things on my forehand doesn't mean um, my forehand is, it's bad. It just means I need to pay more attention to certain things because I'm more prone to making some some mistakes, but not technical mistakes. It's adjustment. It's feet. It's not necessarily just my technique. My technique is what it is. Um, so it's more things of you know my footwork being properly stable, being uh, my shoulder turns, my finish. There's like a, a way more things that I need to focus on because I can have tendencies of doing 
uh, doing things uh, not as naturally on my foreign side. Uh, that being said, you can I can also really, really um, get caught up with my technique, uh, where you know it's it's gotten me gotten me to problems when you you start the match and then all of a sudden you're like you know you play bad for two games and you're trying to do something different with, with your technique for a couple of weeks on, in practice and then you start the match and you obviously nerves whatever you play a couple of bad games all of a sudden like it just spirals out of control all those technique changes start going going badly and obviously um you know when to tie everything together um, when you're playing, you know, at my level that you're on the court that much and, and all that stuff, uh, those, you know, ups and downs, they're normal. And we learn throughout the years that like, okay, like I, I'm making a technique change. So, you know, I'm not going to just go up. I'm going to have a little bit of a downturn until I finally figure it out. And then, um, it, it becomes better. We've seen this with every pro. They all, they all kind of, um, adjusted their their strokes with time but we're also on the court a lot so what i see from either juniors or or you know even in term, uh, it, uh, this is not for beginners just so we're clear it's not for someone who's just learning how to play if you're just learning how to play you need to obviously focus on technique but if someone that you know you're just trying to beat your club rival or whatever uh they end up you know, losing, and then they'll just blame, like, yeah, my forehand is just this technically so bad. I have to, like, go back with my coach and fix it or completely 180 and do something else with it and all that. And it's just, like, it doesn't take you anywhere because you're on the court maybe two hours a week taking lessons, and then you're playing a match every two weeks. You're just not on that schedule that, like, all those technique changes are going to uh, be actually that beneficial in the long run. Um, more than, you know, improving your fitness or your footwork or things like that. So that's why, you know, I, I made the video because I just, I've seen that a lot and I experienced it myself. Yeah, right, and that was a little bit no, wrong. No, 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 not at all. And I would, you know, completely agree with you. I think, again, another broad question, but the number one thing anyone can improve probably is their footwork, right? And yeah. that's, you know, and footwork is a technique within itself, but there are just yeah. so many little exercises you can do, correct? Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, you know, there are tons of exercises. I mean, obviously, we're in a podcast, it'll be a little diff difficult to, to show it, but I mean, it's not necessarily just the, just the footwork, but, you know, improving uh, the timing of your split step and, you know, just a couple steps to and from the, the, the shot. We've discussed this before, but, like, the most important steps are off the split step, that first step going to the ball or, or moving away from the ball if the ball is coming to you, obviously. Uh, I think a lot of actually – most players actually struggle with that one more than anything, the one that they have to actually move away and create their own space. Um, and the first step after you hit the ball that you have to recover, not necessarily all the way to the middle, but, you know, as much to the middle as you can. Um, and then two, I think, you know, making sure instead of sometimes worrying so much about like, oh, where's my hand? And like, you know, because again, I say in the video, like so, so many people will Google like how to hit my forehand like feather. I'm like, no one hits their forehand like feather. Like it's, it's just not, if, everyone could hit their forehand like better we would be hitting their forehand like better you know what i mean so it's like um because there's there's all this you know the modern tennis forehand or this and that there's all these videos like promising all these things and i'm like if you are like if you're not a you know like a high high elite player that's just gonna mess you up in the head because i know i know this from and i gonna say in the video from golf like right like i can go online and look into like fixes for golf swings but then i'm like i'm looking at it i'm like wait what i have to like do what and and then i go and i go play and i you know i'll play with like a 60 year old guy who who shoot even par because he just knows how to play his game he just knows exactly how to get out there hit the shots he needs to hit he knows exactly who he is as a player and he will shoot better than me even though i can hit probably 100 yards past him and it's the same in tennis um, most players um, that focus a little bit too much on technique and all this this crazy things, they'll get on the court and they'll lose to a slice and dicer. They're like, oh, that guy just sliced and dice, whatever. But I'm like, well, 
he's just a better competitor than you. He knows his game. He does that well, and he goes out to beat, goes out and beats you. So that's just a really important thing. Like that, you know, we often, you know, focus on crazy things, like crazy things that like are so so high advanced level. Um, especially if you're like an, in the middle of the pack intermediate to close to advanced player. Um, and then we forget to actually develop, you know, our own tennis style. It's like, Hey, like how, how do I like to play and how am I going to win matches doing that? You know? So yeah, no, it's, absolutely. Uh, it's, that's the most important part. Yeah. Uh, I think the phrase, what the coin phrase winning ugly. Um, yeah. it's not a new phrase in tennis, but no. it's one that applies to a lot of players because as you mentioned, it's never going to look as beautiful as Roger Federer can come no. close, but no one's ever going to be that picture perfect. And it's about finding what suits well, have, you best. I don't you know, tell me someone that plays pretty like feather, but is actually good. Ray Sarmiento. Well, okay. 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 That makes sense. <laughs> but like, no, but like even him, he's four hundred in the world. No, yeah, like, I, I you know that's agree re- with that's you. really good. But I'm saying like Ray apart, like no one yeah. really watch like a guy who's like an intermediate level, uh, trying to play like Feather. Okay, Ray's like Ray's like top one percent, like yeah. like any, yeah. but like no, any top, guy top point oh one percent. Yeah, exactly. But think about any anyone that like i mean you see that you see the guy that yeah. like comes in comes in the club and he ha- he's wearing the latest like fad stuff and he's playing with a with a 340 grams pro staff that he can barely swing right <laughs> and, he, and he's trying to play like fad and you, sometimes they can actually do it that you look at it, it's like oh they have good strokes and then the match starts and it's a shit show <laughs> so you know that that is i mean i i played a lot of those players in my time and i was i won't I'm, I'm not gonna lie i always tried to have pretty strokes i always some it was something that i i wanted to be technically sound because um that's just how i in my in my mind i was like if i'm technically sound i will be able to handle pressure moments better because i know my strokes are okay uh, but that was kind of far from the truth. At the end of the day, I was just like, I I had to learn how to actually play tight and to play the hard situations um, still, you know, with my, my strokes. But um, so, you know, it's, it, again, I'm not saying like, don't worry about your technique. Obviously, if you're, if you're seeing a coach, you're going to improve it, but it, it has to be in, a, you have to improve, uh, you know, in a more like a holistic approach. It's like my legs, my body, my, my footwork, my, my body turn, like all of that combined will make your technique actually better than just like, oh, like, you know, again, trying to, to recreate things that the pros are doing without, without even like having any experience uh, at all. Yeah, no, and it's a double plug here because ways you can improve your technique, improve your strokes, your fitness, your nutrition and health uh, can all be found by exploring, you know, the Cracked Rackets content, the My Tennis HQ content, a great uh, combination of things. You know, we have our Getting to the Point episodes with our friends at Aerobar where we talk about the importance of nutrition and fitness in the modern tennis game. And yeah, it's more important now than ever. Um, And, you know, we've talked about the footwork. We've talked about, you know, becoming mentally tougher before but there's also the idea of maximizing your strengths right if backhands cross court is how you know you win matches because your backhand just gives you a competitive advantage against the people you are playing you know there's something to going out on the court and just doing that for 30 minutes right knowing and this is a topic we've talked about before but knowing what you do best on the court and maximizing the your the amount of time you put yourself in a position to do that yeah i mean i i I mean just you with that example like i always preferred playing on my back inside um so i quickly learned how to avoid long cross court rallies on my forehand you know like not that didn't mean um i just didn't want to be pinned down on the forehand corner that was always the the place that someone did that really well i would struggle i would find myself in uh just not comfortable on the court. You know what I mean? Doesn't mean I was going to win or lose. It's just not comfortable, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was good at, at, I, you know, I was always good at redirecting the ball um, at will. And it, it didn't mean like, oh, I would go to my, you know, from my backhand down the line, I'd still like hitting like maybe the next forehand down the line or something like that. But I was quick 
to get away from a rally like that. Um, and if the person who was playing me wasn't aware of that enough, they would just do the normal thing. Like, let's say let's, they go forehand cross, I go heavy down the line, not a, an offensive shot, you know, just changing directions. Oh, they're going to be like, well, I have to go back and cross. And then I'm like back where I want to be, you know what I mean? <laughs> and yeah. so when you're, you know, especially when you're playing those tense situations, not, I mean, it doesn't mean I did that the entire match. And especially if you're, if you're ahead and if you're feeling like more comfortable doing um, other things, then you do that. But like once, once, you know, things get tight and maybe you need to, you, you, you know, one way to close out the match. Um, maybe I had to go to that. I'm like, yeah, ball's coming to my back and I know I'm going to, not just make them, but I'm going to make a quality ball more than if, if we just stay on my forehand side. And I think people need to be aware of that uh, on their games. It's like, okay, like where, where's, especially when things are tight, not forget about when you're winning and you're making everything. Remember the matches or the moments, the ones that are for all 40, 15, and all of a sudden you, you've lost eight points in a row and it's down, you lost six, four. And you're like, what the, what the hell just happened? What did I just do that for four? If I was about to win that game, how how did I just lose eight points in a row? Um, you got to remember that. Um, so it's important to, and I wish I had that awareness, you know, from a younger age. When you're young, you're just kind of like, whatever. And you go for the next one, you know. But, uh, you know, if you are, you know, in your 30s, 40s, 50s, and you, you know, you picked up tennis maybe late and you didn't have all that time on the court competing because competing is such an important thing, um, you you just don't know those things, right? You you just don't know exactly how to how to handle those things, and you had have, have to be aware. Even like in the tough matches that you end up losing by you know because you did two or three things stupidly, um, just knowing that and being aware of that, it's gonna take a little bit further when you you know when you are on that situation again um, in the future. So just pay, pay attention to those things yeah. and playing yeah. with your strengths, always playing with your, with your strengths try to to fill the like to to you know every part of your game that is not as good try to you know bridge the gap between what's good and what's bad on your game but you know there's always going to be something that you're more comfortable with it's just the way it is Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Well, then I guess my final question to you again, we've sort of talked about the many different ways you can improve your game without improving your technique, but I feel like it's worth reiterating this point one more time. And again, it's not a novel concept. Tennis really is the one sport, you you know, to master. What does it mean to master tennis? I'm not saying you can turn into Roger Federer, but it really is a sport you can maximize your skill through repetition, right? You know, yeah. to a certain degree, that's the theme with every sport, but I I feel like with tennis again there are only so many shots you can hit and yeah. via repetition that's how you master them yeah exactly i mean it's just it's just repetition it's repetition and um it, it's it, it, the only thing it is is like it's repetition in so many different strokes right and let's say if you compare it to a basketball shot or or you know a soccer or or you know even golf um most swings are I know around the same or in tennis, you have a serve, you have a back and you have a forehand. Um, and then you have to pay attention to, to footwork. How do you move to a certain ball, to that ball, different height? You know, it's a, it, it is repetition, but it's, it, that's what I think people need to understand is like, you have so many different shots for every stroke, right? You have a high forehand, a low forehand, a sitting forehand, a, a, on the run forehand, you have like all those things. Um, and it, only it's only going to really get better um obviously with training and with proper proper coaching but also being in that situation over and over that it's like okay how do i hit my on the run forehand when i'm nervous compared to like when i'm just um training it right like it's so much easier when you train it because you're not thinking about it. it's like your coach goes out okay 10 forehands on the run and you go out and you hit 10 fours on the run and you're like, whoa, I'm the best for I have the best four on the run in the, in the world. And then you get on the court and it's like, you miss one. It's like, oh. and then the next one just sits up in the middle of the court. And then all of them just are kind of shitty. And you're just like, ah, so like, you know, it's like over and over and over. It's just, it, it, there's, again, it's all repetition, but it's repetition uh, in different scenarios. It's def- repetition in different um you know different also like conditions and cord you know it could be clay it could be you know there's 
there's a lot of variables in tennis. And so uh, I think a lot of people try to control everything at all times. Um, but sometimes you just got to play the game. If you, again, if you have to slice and dice to win, go out and <laughs> slice and dice to win, man. That's the important <laughs> thing. I don't, I, you know, I don't subscribe to the bullshit. Oh, like the important thing. I can, obviously, uh, you know, the important thing is to compete, give your max, like winning or losing is out of your control. That's for sure. But no one is going to take, no one would ever take the, the option of like, oh, I'd rather lose playing pretty than like winning. No, you know what I mean? Like, yes, like we get to a certain level, like, okay, I, I, I might, you know, at the highest level, you know, you, you can ask any, any guy who, who's gotten to from 300 to hundred, they'll say like, look, once we get to top hundred, like at, at, we, we have to take our chances. It's 30, 40. If I, if I, forehand set up you got to go for it because you might not have that chance again right uh, it's a little bit different you know at intermediate and advanced level um in like just more than intermediate level at, at our level we we really needed to like take our chances because the next point the next two points might be two aces and you're never going to have that chance again right um but you know just knowing um knowing that um that you know you don't at intermediate level, you don't really need that. You know what I mean? In intermediate level, um, it's the guy who keeps the ball in play uh, the longest. It's probably going to win. That's 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 basic tennis in an intermediate at an intermediate level. It's not the guy who's getting more winners. Now at the top level, again, like going back to that, it's like okay, I, I maybe I lost a match because I went for too much on that thirty forty, and I I never got that chance again, and I lost. Um, then you can live with that. Right. But if you are intermediate level and you're just going to like step on the core and just blast every forehand because that's what I was doing in practice. Uh, and you're going to just, you know, give the match away and lose it like three and three because that's what you're doing in practice. That's not the way it is. Right. Because then you're not learning to play the, the match. You're not really necessarily committing to like finding a way. And you always have to commit to find a way. And that's, I mean, that's the biggest, that's the biggest takeaway. Don't necessarily think because uh, this shot's not working today, um, then I'm just going to keep going at it until it goes in. Yeah, you can do that, but uh, you can also lose doing that. So by doing that, so it's just like, you have to, you know, be aware of the, the, the fact that, um, you know, at the end of the day, like none of us steps on the court necessarily. It's like, oh, I'm okay with losing. No one is. So it's like you got to find a way. And I think the more you compete and the more you you, you think about other things besides the technique, the, I think the fresher your mind is to find a way. Um, you know what I mean? Instead of just obsessing over like, oh, I can't hit today. My, my back and like my technique is shit. Like, man, that's just not going to take you anywhere. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you there. There's always a pathway to victory. And again, why tennis is so enjoyable, at least for me, what makes it so different than from so many other sports uh, is that it really is on you, your performance, how much effort you're willing to put in, how hard you're willing to compete. Uh, but yeah, you know, yeah. and again, one thing I always appreciate, it's been, you know, we've done probably 11, 12, 13, somewhere between 10 and 20 of these podcasts now. And we always yeah. manage to find a way to talk about stuff, things that are interesting have a good time on here so Karu, uh always appreciate you taking the time to chat for our listeners what can they expect from the my tennis hq q uh my tennis hq crew coming up um well i think it should be an interesting for for now i think next couple of weeks we're probably gonna have a few more record reviews obviously more articles so that's uh that's what's coming up we're actually working on a i don't know if i can say that but no i don't know how to say it. we're working on like a little like um online tool for racket comparisons so people can just kind of like um quickly access you know compare two rackets power and and precision like all that kind of stuff just so you know just like a little tool we'll have on our website um i don't know necessarily when it's going to be live but that's kind of a kind of a fun thing that we've been working on too and we'll see i think maybe i'll have to do some like you know, bubble New York content for YouTube. I don't know. If, I don't know if people, if, if that's something people want to see, but um, maybe that's, you know, maybe that's a way of keeping things fresh. I don't think a lot of people are going to be allowed there. So, you know, since I'm 
kind of privileged that I can be there. Uh, I think it's going to be something I'm going to be working on, like and showing people around the, the this this bubble scenario that we're going to be in it. Uh, so that that'll be that'll be something that'll be something uh, to look forward to. Besides that, same as usual, man. Just putting out great content. So you know, make sure you you're following us. Yeah, no, of course. And again, you could check out all of the content by going to mytennishq.com. Yeah, hopefully you will be in New York, Crew, so you can be our source on the ground. Keep us appraised with all oh, of yeah. the action. Let us know who's winning, and we call this for World Team Tennis, the Lou Williams Award, most likely to break Corona <laughs> protocols, uh, you know, as we affectionately call it. But, Crew, it is always a pleasure to chat with you. Great having you back on the show this week. And, you know, look forward to doing this more and more frequently again as we get back in our tennis tennis is back rhythm absolutely man and we gotta keep keep this going every tuesday yeah of course well take it easy as always take care man all right take care Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with my Tennis HQ's Carousel, and of course, I will ask all of you again, be sure to go check out, support our friends over there. They are producing some exceptional content, and of course, we always enjoy having them on the show as well. So uh, again, a huge thank you to Carew for taking the time to chat, really getting, uh, really excited to get back into the routine of having those conversations with him and Austin and the My Tennis HQ team once a week. So be on the lookout for those, and of course, we're doing lots of cool things over now right now on cracked rackets if you haven't go check out our youtube channel you can watch all the interviews we did at our various stops in kentucky in miami players like tennis sandgren sam query shelby rogers cc bellis and more you know all on video uh as we record or uh, i should say we got to do video interviews with all of them so super producer daniel westoff able to do his thing as well to make those videos even more enjoyable be sure to go check those out you can hear them in podcast form, of course, on our Cracked Interviews feed as well. Uh, what else? You know, again, a lot of other cool things going on. GSP Ace of the Day. We're getting in on the action with our friends at DraftKings. You can hear those each day on that Great Shot podcast feed. If you haven't, also go check out Season 1 of the Inside Out podcast, our look at the best American male tennis player in any given moment throughout the open era. It was a really fun season to record. It was based off of an article I wrote. And folks, we are in the midst of recording seasons two and three as well. It's going to be really exciting. Uh, We've got two really different stories to tell. And so, uh, again, be on the lookout for those things. Go like, rate, subscribe, review all of our Cracked Rackets podcasts. And, of course, do the same to our YouTube channel, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's at Cracked Rackets. You want to DM me directly. I'm at Great Shot Pod. Shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff for the of an editing job they do day in day out it is truly i'm choking up here as i say no it is always a pleasure to get the opportunity to work with them Uh, so shout out to both of them for all that they do but again uh, we are rocking and rolling here at cracked racket so you don't want to miss out on any of our content shout out as always to those of you who continue to support us on patreon seriously we wouldn't be able to do this without your support if you're interested be sure to go check out our patreon website patreon.com search cracked rackets there but with that being said, for our wonderful guest, my technique, uh, to my tennis HQ's carousel, for our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say? That's the break, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.